speaks very pointedly to people who have idle thoughts and who, uh, you know, get caught up in these myths and these conversations that don't really matter. And he doesn't have a lot of patience for those kind of people. And he says there's things here that are so important. And we talked about even understanding the context and the importance of this gospel in, in regards to instructions for women, instructions for men when it comes to worship. And how, yeah, although you may have some freedoms, there are times to restrict those freedoms for the sake of the gospel. see some similar things where context again matters and, and Paul is saying you need to live in such a way so that you don't compromise the gospel. So the first verses of chapter 6 are really a continuation of, of what uh, Harry was speaking about last week, this section on relationships and all of these different relationships that are there. And so let's just read verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. And Paul is talking here about slaves. And he says, all slaves should show full respect for their masters, so that they will not work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers to do the well-loved. 
there will be people in your midst who cause these dissensions and these divisions and so on. And Timothy, you need to challenge those things, but also don't get caught up in them. Do the things of God. And he said, you know what, even there are some people who do pursue the things of God and they do it only for pleasure. They seem to exploit people for their money. So Timothy, don't be one of those, but also section where he talks about gratefulness, and he talks about what it means uh, to be rich. This is the main uh, part of what I want to focus on today, and I think it has so much relevance for us today. In the first part, he talks about submission. So in verse 6, he says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. And after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Paul's challenging them in this church, in Timothy, and he's saying, you need to be content. You need to understand that um, contentment matters. And that true godliness with contentment is great wealth or great gain. He says you, you have gained something there that, that is so significant. And so you need to look for those things. You need to learn contentment in those things. says in Philippians 4.12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul's saying, you know what, I've experienced both. And maybe many of you, you experience the same thing. Maybe you experience both when you have plenty and when you have little. Paul's saying, wherever you find yourself, whatever place in life you find yourself right now, you need to choose to be it's a choice. Because otherwise we live our lives constantly putting the control in other people or in other situations. And this idea that, well, you know what, if just this would change, if just this would be different, if, if just this would, you know, if I get to this next place in life when I get that new job, or when I get this amount of money, you know, then, then things will be good. Or when this happens and we get past this season of life, then I can, you know, then I can And we go, okay, well, now that I'm here, you know what, boy, you know, if I could just get to that next stage, if I could just get a little bit further along, a little bit more money put together, a little bit more security, whatever the case may be. And so we have that elusive carrot that sort of dangles in front of us that we're looking for. Paul says it's really those things. idea that in, in so many countries in the world where there is affluence, that there is this joyless prosperity that is there, that, that people have financial things, they, they have material possessions, but there's still this joylessness that is there, this discontent that seems to be deep in the heart of people. You know, we feel some of that. It struggles within us, you know, from time to time. And then we read on in, in verse 9 and 10, 
Paul says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and hurtful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the, from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. What Paul's saying here, the issue isn't so much money. The issue is that longing, that craving, that desire, that passion, that always wanting more, that always being discontent. He says that can happen whether you have lots or whether you have very little or nothing. But he says this longing, this desire of wanting too much, wanting to have more, oh man, you know, if I could just have more. He says you can throw out all kinds of sorrows. You can wander from the faith. You pierce yourself. That's the word that's used. You pierce yourself with many sorrows. You know, last week, uh, Pastor Harry was talking about um, wills and estates and, and some of those things that are important and good, biblical, godly things of how we provide for those who are vulnerable in life, and, and which is so true. And this text today, in some ways, provides a bit of the, the bookend of that or the counterpoint to that, where those are good things, but if you take them too far and to the extreme, then you can start to put your security in the worldly things, the earthly things, those things. And Paul is saying, okay, those things are good and right, but, but don't go so far to the extreme that you actually put your trust in them. Because then your trust and your faith starts to fall. And so he's warning against the extreme. He's saying, don't have that unhealthy longing and craving for more. You know, one of the things that strikes me is that, that when people work hard, their focus isn't on the money, but it's on just doing and working hard and doing what God has called them to do because they have been given that. So the money becomes their final. But it's when the focus becomes the money itself that it starts to really affect relationship, fellowship, and intimacy with God. What does it mean to be rich? I mean, Paul talks about that here in a number of places in verse 9, and then we'll see in a minute in, in verse 17. And, and in this first text, verse 9 and 10, that the first section that we looked at here, it's this idea of those who long to be rich, those who crave to be rich. And then it goes on, and we'll look in a minute at verse 17 and 19 about, okay, here's some words for those of you who are rich. If you're going to be rich, here's how you need to be rich. So let me first of all ask you, it's a question that my youngest daughter asked me a number of years ago, and I don't remember the context, but we were driving one day again, and the sign said money down, so I was like, that's not going to work. your first, I mean, my first gut response is, no, but then you start to think about it, and I want you to think about it. If somebody asked you that question, how would you answer? I'm not going to tell you exactly my answer, but I think you'll get a sense of where I think of my answer as we go through this text. Because see, here's what I found. I found that, that even as we live in the country that we live in, and even as we live in what seems to be a pretty healthy place, nobody really sees themselves as rich. I think rich people tend to live in denial. You know, we all know people who are rich. I mean, all of us, we know lots of, oh yeah, we could point to all kinds of people who are rich because we always compare us, don't we? We never compare ourselves, we always compare us. So yeah, we can point to people who are rich, but, but we don't see ourselves as rich. Do you know that if, if you earn an individual income of $50,000, in the top 4% of the world, you would be rich. That 
stats came out about the recent statistics in the last couple of months, and the paper comes out sort of unpacking these stats. And, and one of them was, again, I'm just updating, okay, what is the average annual salary of a Canadian? And the average annual salary of an individual in Canada is $48,750. And in Saskatchewan, it's a couple thousand more, it's about $50,000. If you are an average wage earner in Canada, in Saskatchewan, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in this country. So what do you ask yourself? Why? Well, um, we don't know. We don't know if that's advice. And so we have to ask ourselves these questions because rich people tend to live in denial. The problem about living in denial is that when we live in denial, we don't know how to practice being rich, which is what Paul talks about and what he gets to here in this text. Because then we think, well, these texts, they, they just apply to those people. So just in case you ever run into rich people, let me describe a little bit about what rich people look like. Okay, rich people, they have a variety of things. I mean, you know, some people, they actually have this place in their waistband here. Uh, they have a pocket that you can actually walk in. Did you know that? Like, you know, you can actually step into it and then take another step and slide the whole way in here. And, and it's, it's called a walk-in pocket. And I remember, remember the days, you know, when you would just open a door and you would just see this, you know, narrow, dark place here, reach up into the recesses. But that's how they're thinking. Like, seriously, there are people who have these rooms that you can walk into. And it's like a closet all up. It's a whole other world for some, you know. And then there's all of these clothes and, and like, shelves of clothes there and bars full of clothes and hangers full of clothes. And they, they stand in front of this and they, they get immobilized by this because they say, I have, I have absolutely nothing to wear. And it stresses them out because, I mean, these are hard decisions to make before you've had coffee in the morning. Now, now speaking of coffee, rich people really like coffee. You know, because it's discretionary money, right? I mean, it's discretionary, and so they love to buy coffee on a regular basis. And, you know, whether they go to, you know, the lower end, kind of, you know, McDonald's or, or whatever, or the high end, you know, you go to Starbucks and other places like that. And, and they love to have their Canadian coffee. I did some math this week, and, you know, if you take, you know, those specialty breaks, those really special ones, and instead of having one of those every day, like if you, like, just discipline yourself to just say, I'm doing like a plan for fasting. Okay, if you do that for 10 years, you know, and sort of every day take that money and, you know, you just sort of put it aside. You would put one of your kids through college in two years. Like room, board, tuition, everything, the whole deal. <laughs> Rich people, you know, if you ever run into these same things, um, they love storing things. They love storing things, right? Because they have a lot of stuff. So they love to build shelves and cupboards and cabinets, really nice ones. And, and they put things in them and then they, you know, they put stuff away and then they out of storage space, and then they build some more storage space, and they add a shed in the backyard or something like that, or they add on to, you know, this veranda, and, and they, they don't have it to park their vehicles because they can't fit their vehicles in there because they have too much storage, right? And, and so, but, but they do have, and actually, rich people, they have these, like, small houses that actually hold their cars, like, they have their cars in these little houses that hold their cars, but then they have so much stuff, and they need more storage, and then they actually pay somebody to rent more space, like off-site somewhere, you know, and they put, and they fill it up with all kinds of things, you know, and they never look at it again, until someday they come out of the blue and they're watching reality TV and they see somebody with bolt cutters cutting it open and auctioning off the stuff in their, in their space. And they're going, wow, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. And 
then those rich Christians, I mean, they have, like, they have a lot of Bibles. They love to collect Bibles. You know, if you read them, like, they have a lot of Bibles. You know, they have big Bibles, like the ones that you hit people with, like the really big, thick, heavy ones. And, and then they have, like, really small ones, the slimline ones that they can tuck into their pocket that nobody really knows they're carrying a Bible. You know, you have those as well, too. And then they, they have ones that's like all kinds of different translations that you read. It has many translations. So you have multiple translations of those. And then you have the Bibles that you sort of, you know, you find that, that pick out all the convicting stuff, and it's got the really good stuff in it, and you have those Bibles. And, and so, you know, they have Bibles on their phones and, you know, Bibles on their computers. And they just have Bibles all over the place. Have you ever run into rich people? These are some of the things that, that they look like. I mean, I know you can look away wrong place and these things, but... See, here's the problem. When we live in denial, by always comparing us, when we live in denial by always saying, well, no, 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 that doesn't, that doesn't relate to us, we read these texts always for someone else. We never read them for us. Because we go, no, no, that's, that's perfect. That's not us. That's those people. That's not us. But we have to understand that what Paul's talking to Timothy about here is he's saying, look, those people in your church that are rich, Here's how it relates to you. And when I hear that and I read that, I go, I think we need to pay attention to this. I think we need to listen to this because here's what Paul says in verse 17. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. He says, their trust should be in God, which, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. So Paul's saying to Timothy, hey, those rich people, you need to teach them. In fact, in other translations, he says, this is important. He says, tell them, this is how you live. This is the way to be rich in a way that honors God. Okay, so pay attention to that. Because what happens is, is they start to abandon their trust. They, they start to shift some of where their trust lies. They start to shift where their foundations are. And it, it starts to happen in a way that, that their faith is, is sabotaged. And they pierce themselves with many stones. If you remember the verses that we read earlier. And this idea that pride can start to settle in. We start to think that we're all that, and we just start saying, oh, yeah, you know, I give up on that. It's acceptable. And we forget all those things that have happened in our lives that have, have messed us into thinking that way. Maybe the place that we grew up. Maybe the country that we grew up in. Maybe the opportunities that we were blessed to have in our community growing up. Maybe the people that we knew. The opportunity maybe to go to school. says, you know what, you can get rich by things that other people don't have. You start to settle for that. And Paul here starts to say, no, 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 no. And he says, tell them to teach those who are rich in this world. They've received God's blessing in an ordinate measure in this world. For some reason, we don't really know why, but for some reason, God has chosen to bless them in a very unique way. Proverbs 18, verse 11 author of Proverbs says this very wise saying. He says, the rich think of their wealth, but the strong decrease. And they imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Paul is kind of speaking in the same way. He says, you know what, when, when people, when those people who are rich, when they start to think uh, in a way that brings pride into their lives, he says, they think of it as a strong defense, that there is this great wall of safety, that they're kind of unsinkable now. And so you need to be careful about that. You need to teach them about that. And then your trust
you know what? We don't think of death. We don't notice it so often. In fact, it's definitely not intentional, right? You don't intend it. But then something happens that starts to reveal where our hope really lies. So what does Paul say about having death in view? The reason we don't know. He says, well, you know what? Tell those people to read their Bibles and go to church more.
reveal you. They reveal what it is that you really put as the foundation of your life. They reveal what you really put as, as where you place your faith. Where does your faith come from? And so assessment looks all kinds of different ways. Sometimes God brings assessment into our life to show us that we're broken and messed up. Enjoy the gifts that God has given you. There's that interesting word at the end of verse 17. Because you look at almost every translation, translates it with this word of enjoyment, of yes, God's given you everything that you need to enjoy. And, and so you think of it, one of the worst things is miserable rich people. But actually enjoy what God has blessed you with, and enjoy what you have been given, and choose contentment even in the midst of that. Paul says that. He says, you know, realize that
that we might be a people who would think about these things and then act like them. We would place ourselves in different settings in the world that would allow us to treat them well. That would